Well, welcome aboard. Welcome aboard, New Hope Radio, the Hope Club podcast. And uh, glad to have you come aboard Facebook and YouTube as well. You can catch us in all of those places. Going to begin a brand new series today. I like it. I hope you're going to like it too. We're going to meet Jesus again for the first time. (laughs) You think you met him once, we're going to meet him again. But it's like it's going to be the first time. Sometimes things have to be eh, revisited to get the most out of them. It's like watching a movie. You know when you see it the second time? Oh, you get so much more out of it. When you hear a sermon for the second time, you get so much more out of it. We're going to visit Jesus. Watch how much you get out of it. You know, when you think about studying the life of Jesus, you know what's happened? Over time, bells and whistles, they've been added to Christianity. They've even been added to Jesus himself. What's been added to Christianity? The prosperity gospel. That's been added. The name and claim it philosophy. You say it, it'll be done. That's been added. Someone came along with the bright idea of universalism. Oh, everybody's going to heaven. God wouldn't send anyone to hell. Everybody's going. And other things have been added as well. It just keeps going and going. And then look at what they did to Jesus. In the movies, they made him a star with long flowing hair. Some say, oh, he's a good man, but he's, he's not God. You know. I want to call your attention to the series that's on YouTube called The Chosen. I just finished watching the first season. I'll tell you what. I would call it refreshing. It's a very refreshing series about the life of Christ. You can get a Chosen app. You can watch it on your phone, your iPad. You can watch it on YouTube. I highly recommend that you watch The Chosen, The Life of Christ. So in this series, let's meet Jesus again (laughs) for the first time. I'd like us to take a fresh look at the Messiah. Or remember the cornflakes commercial? Try him again for the very first time. That's the attitude we want to have. We're we're not going to go into this study. Well, I already know everything about Jesus. No, we're going to try him again for the very first time. All right. So we're going to see that the first five verses of John's Gospel, they're actually considered a hymn or um, a poem that was sung by the earliest Christians. And when the world had its beginning, here it comes, the Word was already there. Maybe that's the title. When the world had its beginning, the Word was already there. Whoa. We're going to pick it up in John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word (laughs) was God. He was in the beginning with God. Now notice this. This answers the question. Where did we come from? All things came into being through Him. And apart from Him, 
Nothing came into being that has come into being. That answers that question. Throw away all those stupid science books at printing. All things came into being through him. Apart from him, <laughs> nothing came into being that has come into being. Oh, verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness did not comprehend it. So, this is basically, these five verses, they are, they are a summary of who Jesus is. Think about it. Five major aspects of Jesus Christ. Verse 1, he's the Word. Verse 2, he's pre-existent. Verse 3, he's the Creator. Verse 4, he's the Life Giver. And verse 5, he's the Light Bearer. Five important things. You could say that these five verses introduce Jesus Christ to the reader. Want to know who Jesus is? John 1, 1 through 5. So John begins his gospel the way Moses began. Remember Moses wrote his book back, it's called Genesis. John said, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, okay? Now Moses wrote in Genesis 1, in the beginning God created. John said, in the beginning was the Word. So we've got this Word all the way back in eternity past. And the word that John used is the word logos. It's a Greek word. And it has to do with Greek thought. It's a rational principle guiding the universe. You know, the Greeks were known for debating. They were intellects. So the word meant a lot to them. And it was the guiding force of the universe. In Jewish thought, the word of the Lord was an expression of God's wisdom and creative power. So, wow, you put them together and you know what you've got? Jesus Christ. God's word accomplishes things because it is powerful, right? In Psalm 33, verse 6, by the word of, by the, word of the Lord, huh, the heavens were made. Okay, take that back to Genesis 1. In the beginning was the word. The psalmist said, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. John said, in the beginning was the word, and nothing came into being apart from him. So they're all kind of coming together in the Lord Jesus. I like that. God said through Isaiah the prophet, my word, my word goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Now, we know that speaks of God's word, but I want you to think of it speaking of God's Son. Jesus came to what? Accomplish the will of the Father. So here it is established that Jesus Christ not only spoke for God, but he revealed God. Because you know why? He was God. Think about it. In Christ, we've got the revelation of God, we've got the Word of God, and we've got God Himself. When John saw Jesus, he saw 
God in action. It's a beautiful thing about the, the, the disciples walking with Jesus. They saw God in action. Now, the theme of John's gospel is light and life. Those two themes resurface. He's the light and he's the life. Through Christ, light came into men. Right? In verse 4, John said, In him was life. Oh, and the life it was the light of men. Interestingly, the next to the last chapter of John's gospel, chapter 20, John said in verse 30, Therefore, and I love this verse, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing in him, you may have life, L-I-F-E, life in his name. I love that passage, that we've got a glimpse of what Christ did, but we don't have the whole picture, but we've got enough to believe, to believe that he's the Son of God. And by believing in him, we'd have life in his name. So when you think about Jesus, I want you to think about him as the fountain from which life flows. You see, you have a fountain from which water flows. I want you to look at Christ and see a fountain from which life flows. If you want life, you get a drink from him. And you know what? You're doing that right now. Yeah, you're drinking from the fountain of Christ by what? Hearing his word. When you read his word, when you hear his word, you're drinking from the fountain. And you know what's happening? Life is going inside of you. Now, Jesus had a, a great regret concerning the religious leaders of his day. I think it saddened him. What do you think that was? Here's what he said about them. And maybe he said it right to them. He said, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me. So it's like, yeah, you're looking in the right place. But yet, you're unwilling to come to me so that you would have life. How many people is that true about today? Unwilling to come to him so that they would have life. Too many, I'm afraid. Jesus commented time and again about the life that was in him and how he wanted to give it to people. And you know what he said about his life? And some of you, you know what I'm talking about because you've got it. It's overflowing. That the life of Christ is overflowing in a person. He said in John chapter 10, verse 10, I came, 
that they may have life and have it abundantly. Think about that. The abundant life. He wants us to have an overflowing life of Christ inside of us. You know what else he said about his life? It is permanent. I like that. John 10, 28, he said, I give eternal life to them. They will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. No one. No one can do that. Once you're in Christ, you're not coming out. No one can snatch him out. Jesus even said, hey, you're in the Father's hand. We have protection. We have a permanency in Christ. And that's important. You know why? Because sometimes we don't get it right. Sometimes we fail. We fall. We sin. But we're still with God. He'll never cast us out. He'll never reject us because his son (laughs) is inside of us. So this life is for here and now, but it's also for there and then. (laughs) You got it? That the life of Christ that's in us, it's for here and now on the earth, but it's also for there and then when we get to heaven. I like that. So in Genesis 1, the Logos gave life to Adam and Eve and all creatures because he's the creator. In John 1, the Logos gives the possibility of what? New life through a rebirth, a being born from above. It takes that spiritual birth, that connection with God to get that life. And that's why Jesus could say, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. So John is testifying that Jesus is the life, that Jesus is the light, that Jesus is the way to God. It's all about him. You know, in modern day Christianity, we make it about us, and that's where that prosperity gospel comes in and the name and acclaim it and we you know what we do we put the spotlight on us instead of putting the spotlight on Christ John said in verse 5 the light shines in the darkness and the darkness <laughs> it did not comprehend it the word comprehend it's the word catalambano it means to overtake as a thief the darkness did not and cannot overtake the light. It'll try to. It'll try to destroy the light, Jesus, but fail. And it continues to go on. The darkness continues, even today, to try to destroy the light of Christ, but it fails every time. Even the deepest darkness cannot extinguish, you know this, the smallest flame. Right? I don't care how dark it is in a room, You light a little match, and that light is going to overtake the darkness. So Moses said in Genesis 1-2, the earth was formless and void. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And then God said, let there be light. Boom! There was light. The light overcame the darkness. Think about that. 
So even though all these good things are happening with Christ and through Christ, you know what we still have? We have the mystery of iniquity. That men love darkness rather than light. I'm like, why? Why do people love darkness rather than light? Well, John answers that. This is the judgment that light has come into the world. Men love darkness rather than light. This is why. For their deeds were evil. That's why. People like evil deeds. They like to do bad things. Why? Because we're flawed. We have a sin nature. And the sin nature thrives on that which is bad, that which is against God. So there are those that give themselves over to that. And they have no desire for the light. They like the darkness. They enjoy the darkness. The darkness becomes their abode. And I think in some cases it's because the presence of Jesus reveals where men's hearts are. And they're believing while they're in the darkness their hearts won't be revealed, that their hearts are evil. But you know what God does? He shows me my heart when I read his word. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the word of God is a mind reader. It's a heart reader. It knows my thoughts. So when I read the word, it shows me what I'm really like, and I don't like it. But you know what? i to stay with it. It's still better than the darkness. Darkness can also stand for ignorance. And I don't mean ignorance like as an insult. I mean ignorance as a lack of truth. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. So you can see where you're going. You have wisdom. You have divine knowledge. And you'll have the light of life. What ignorance does, here's what happens. Ignorance leads to infidelity to God. Infidelity to God leads to sin. Sin is followed by pain. And there are those that continually hurt themselves through sin, but they keep doing it. They don't stop. As Psalm is said in Psalm 119, those who love your law have great peace. Nothing causes them to stumble. See, that's the light of the Word of God. You can see where you're going. When you can see where you're going, you have peace. You're at peace. You know, night driving is difficult for a lot of people. It's a white knuckle thing, grabbing that steering wheel because it's hot to see. But when you drive in the light, it's relaxing. It's enjoyable. So I want you to think of a spiritual darkness and a spiritual light. There are some people, they, they're like white knuckle through life because they're in the darkness. And those that live in the spiritual light, they have peace. You want peace? It's in Christ. Without Jesus Christ, you can't see your way. You, can, you might think you know where you're going, but you can't see. Without Christ, life goes lost. You get lost. That's what happens. It's a lost 
life. So the question, which road will you take? How will you see? How are you going to do that? Here's, here's what it meant to John the Apostle. And by the way, he walked with Jesus. The guy knows what he's talking about, okay? He does. To John, life without Christ was life in the dark. It was life in the dark. And you know, there are instances in the Word of God where darkness seems to be a negative connotation. For instance, the disciples were crossing the lake in the boat, and Jesus wasn't in the boat. And it was dark because Jesus wasn't there. Now, we know it was nighttime, but I want you to see the absence of Christ is the presence of darkness. Mary Magdalene, thinking Jesus was gone from them, came to the tomb when it was still dark. She arrived Sunday morning at the tomb. Jesus rose from the dead. It was still dark. You know why? Jesus was gone. And I wonder if God just wants us to see, without Christ, there's darkness. That with this Christ, there's light. And the absence of Christ brings darkness. It just stays dark. That's all. At the Last Supper, Judas dipped his bread in the cup with Jesus. And then he went out to betray him. And the Bible says it was night. He left the presence of Christ and walked into the darkness. <clears throat> That's what he did. I'm trying to make a spiritual analogy with these natural, dark situations. Because I think sometimes God wants us to really look beyond the obvious. Look into the spiritual realm. Judas now, because he walked out on Christ and into the darkness, he would enter into a Christless eternity. An eternity without Christ. An eternity without Christ is an eternity in the dark. The word katalambano, where John said the darkness didn't comprehend the light, it also means to understand, that the darkness doesn't understand the light. So think about it now. People that remain in the darkness have a hard time understanding the light of Christ. It's impossible. Because the things of God are spiritually discerned. Now, we all know people that are in the darkness and we try witnessing to them and they just don't get it. You want to like bang your head against the desk. Then you want to bang their head against the desk. Don't you get it? No. Because they're in the darkness. And you know why they're in the darkness? Because they love the darkness rather than light. That's why. The light can never be understood by the darkness. Can't happen. So, one must be, here's the key, willing. One must be willing to come into the light in order to find understanding. What is it that separates people? Willingness. 
or unwillingness. That's the great divide of mankind. Who are those that come to Christ? Those that are willing. Who are those that don't? Those that are unwilling. So there are those that are willing to come and there are those that are unwilling to come. The willing will find their way. They're going to find their way, notice, through life because they can see. They have the light of Christ. The unwilling will remain in darkness. They're going to stay there. They're going to stay in the darkness. And you know, how great is that darkness when you think it's light? Your eyes can acclimate to darkness and you actually think, hey, I'm doing okay. You know, you can, you can walk around in the dark and, and see to a degree. But then when somebody puts the light on, it's like, oh, wow. Big difference. But there are people today, they've acclimated to the darkness. And so they think they see. But if they give Christ the opportunity to shine his light into their soul, then they'll really see. And this is what John wants us to know. He wants us to know as we meet Jesus again for the very first time. And that's what we're doing here in this series. We're going to meet him again for the very first time. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, tells us five wonderful things about the Lord. He is the Word. He is preexistent. He's the Creator. He's the life giver. And He is the light bearer. That's what He is. That's what He does. He's the light giver and the light bearer. Has he lit up your life? That's what I want to know. Give him the opportunity. Here's the key. Are you willing? There it is. Be willing. That's all it takes. And he'll do the rest. Hey, don't forget about the Hope Club podcast. These messages will be on the Hope Club podcast. You can get these podcasts on Spotify, Stitcher, on our website, newhopecc.tv. Ah, they're all over the place. And uh, let people know that, that you can get these messages on demand. That's right. They'll always be there. The Hope Club Podcast. Thanks for coming along today. And uh, we're going to come back next time. Oh, we're going to, you know what we're going to do? We're going to meet John the Baptist. Jesus meets John the Baptist. Oh, what's going on with those two? <laughs> we'll see. I'll see you next time.